Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Messy Situations is a production of Lola Media. Say hi, Lola. I mean, I loved my friends so much in that moment because they couldn't get enough, and they were shrieking with happiness. Like, yeah. you did what? And then you said what? And you took off all your clothes, and what? you were so bold, and it was good, and you liked it. And like, this is the best thing. And then I, I felt bad for them. I was like, you got to lose your husband and go have sex with a stranger. <laughs> it's the best thing. You have no idea. <laughs> Welcome back to Messy Situations, the podcast where we break down and break through all of life's messes, always starting with ourselves. I'm Kane Sarhan. And I'm Michelle Promaleko. How have you been? I've been okay. Okay, just okay? I Okay, let, let me be more enthusiastic. I've been good. <laughs> That's about <laughs> all I can muster. <laughs> I can't lie to you. Yeah, is it? Why are we only at okay know. or good? I just feel like things have still not normalized. Summer's here. It's finally hot. I'm excited about that, but I don't know. I just like can't get out of this funk. Um, it's emotional, physical. Like, are you moving? Are you like exercising? I don't know. Yeah, you... you know what? I should be moving more, so that would help. But I think it's just malaise. I don't know. It felt like a long, draggy winter and spring, mm-hmm. and I think it's like I do feel my mood elevating with the weather with the improvement in the weather but you know I don't want to lie to you so I just said fine or good but next time I see you hopefully I can say great you know what's interesting is I have this best friend whose mom is like a therapist and a life coach and all this stuff and she always says you know if anyone answers fine it means it's a flag well it means feelings inside not expressed Ooh. and like fine is our scapegoat for like not wanting to actually turn inward so it's you didn't say fine you said okay and good oh did i say okay you said okay and good which i think are slightly different and just like i am average right or like i'm i'm not you know what i mean but i think i think a lot of people it feels like i have a lot of people who just feel okay or good right now like they're not they're like coming out of something. And I feel like answering that way was answering really honestly, whereas I feel most people are like, oh, I'm good. I'm, you know, I'm like, yeah, great. Things are great. And they just kind of gloss over it. I've sort of arrived at this place in my life where I just can't spew bullshit anymore. (laughs) I am just completely transparent. Can I tell you some bullshit? (laughs) Speaking (laughs) of bullshit. What happened to you since I've seen you last? Uh, Well, you know, my life is on the road. And and as we were talking about, I live just a chaotic life. Yes, you do. Work is chaotic. I, I live a very chaotic life. And as you also know, I have been getting sick a lot the past couple months. Specifically, I have had strep throat five times since last October. Which is nuts because I don't think I've had strep throat since I was a teenager. Of course you haven't because you're a responsible <laughs> human being. So I got it the first time. I don't know if time. responsibility has anything to do <laughs> well, with it. Listen, I got it the first time at Universal Studios, which of course, like that's where you get strep. You get strep <laughs> at like a place where we are there for Halloween Horror Nights. That's where all the kids are. Yeah, of course. So that's where you get strep. So it was Halloween Horror Nights. I got strep there. Woke up sick, got the antibiotics, 
didn't finish them, the sequence. You know that's how the super bug starts, So right? here we go. So <laughs> I fucking hate antibiotics. I don't like the way they make my stomach feel, you know, but I didn't finish them like an asshole. Fast forward like six weeks. I'm in Costa Rica in the middle of the jungle. I start getting so sick I can't get out of bed. Fast forward 24 hours. I'm like in the bed they're calling like an ambulance to come to the hotel to take care of me i haven't been able to move they're like injecting me with iv antibiotics rebecca and sarah my business partners and my husband are talking about like hella vacuuming my ass Jesus. out of fucking costa rica when you they go down by the way like you're like the energizer bunny you go and go and go and then when you go down you go down hard i go down so fucking hard i get antibiotics i take them all think i'm gone two months later i'm back in costa rica it comes back again at the hotel so at this point i'm like is it the environment what the yeah. Yeah, going that's on. what I would have thought. I'm super sick again, but they're like injecting me with IV antibiotics. Mind you, I'm like being like injected like twice a day with steroids, antibiotics, can't move. And listen, I'm someone who like when I get sick, I just power through. Like I don't, you know, I don't go down until I go down. This time and the then husband's you like, really you go are down. fucking coming home. Like, what the fuck is going on? This is fucking insane. I come home. I'm feeling better. Listen, as we know, I have adrenal issues. I only have one. I end up seeing my adrenal doctor. My adrenals are really low. All my hormones are out of whack. My immune system's dropped. So I get a procedure. They're like putting me on medication, getting that those levels back up. And my immune system starts to go back up. So we're like, oh, my immune system is really low. I never fully got rid of the bug. I turn it into some super bug shit. You know what I mean? Like, because I didn't do the antibiotics and now I spread that across the world. Great. Zev, our head of real estate and I are on a business trip on Monday of last week. We fly into Denver and I get onto the flight and I'm feeling like not great. By the time we land, I'm like throat, head, body, and I don't even think it's strep because I'm like, I'm like, fuck, I have COVID. Right. Well, that would be the automatic thing you think. So I get to the hotel. I immediately go into the room. I like order a concierge COVID test to come. I'm like, we're supposed to hit six cities in 10 days. Like we have like crazy. You had an booked. itinerary I'm for sure. Fucked. COVID person comes, swabs me 30 minutes later, rapid PCR negative. I'm like, shit. I'm like, this cannot be strep again. No fucking way. I can't even get, I'm like so down. He's having all of our meetings in Denver. The next morning I go to an urgent care. I go, she swabs me. She's like, you have strep. What's the deal? She puts me on antibiotics. I like start taking oral. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? I'm messaging my husband. He's like, I have no symptoms. By the way, he's never had symptoms this whole time. Never, not once, no symptoms, no nothing. Listen, like we make out all the time. We kiss all the time. We bang all the time. Like, I'm like, how is this possible? But like, he's also when I get sick or like I get cold sores too. Like if I even have an inkling of a cold sore, that motherfucker won't touch me for two weeks. Well, he's I don't so paranoid. Blame you, I don't blame like him either. You're not supposed of to. Of course, no, like... no. But he's like by the books, like on top. So I'm like, he's just super safe. I get to LA on our second trip. The oral antibiotics are sort of working. I'm starting to feel better. It's Tuesday night. It gets way worse. I wake up Wednesday morning and I'm like dead like Costa Rica again. I call the concierge. I call my husband. I can't even talk on the phone. I'm like, you need to get a doctor here. Sends a doctor. Dr. Maurice, fucking love him. Comes to the hotel room. Looks at my throat. He's like, holy shit, you have horrible strep. I'm like, I've had this five times in the past seven months. I hadn't had strep since I was 13. So in 20 years, I hadn't had it. And all of a sudden, I've had it five times in the past like eight months. I'm like, am I dying? Like, what is going on? He's like, well, you know, it could be a super bug, your immune system, da da. And he's like, wait a minute. He's like, you're married. I'm like, yeah. He's like, has your husband ever had it? I'm like, no. He's like, that's impossible. Uh oh. Like, clue. There's a clue. Huh? He's like, he needs to go get tested today. I'm like, why? He's like, he could be an asymptomatic carrier. <laughs> Like, what the fuck are you talking about? Oh, Danny. He's like, he could be carrying it. You got it in Universal. You gave it to him, obviously, because, of course, you give your fucking husband and the person you're with, like, strep. Right. He doesn't present symptoms. 
So this whole time... He's not getting treated. He has no symptoms, and he just keeps re-giving it to me. <laughs> so I take the antibiotics, it kicks it out, my immune system's up, the moment they drop, boom, again. I call Danny, I'm like, you need to go to fucking One Medical and get a test. Goes to One Medical, swab his throat. Positive. I'm like, this motherfucker was after some life insurance. This is your payback for taking your phone out at dinner too often. Oh, my God. You <laughs> fuck you. Like, you can't go there. This is it. He's literally been trying to kill me. So then I'm like, he gets on antibiotics, does the whole sequence. I'm like, I'm not touching you. Like, I need to know. I'm not touching you till you get on a test. I'm like, I don't care. You've been after my life. Obviously, I didn't hold up. I'm feeling fine. He's feeling fine. As long as you hopefully this shit is behind me. Courses of antibiotics and don't create any more super bugs. You can go back. Jordan and and Dr. Littman had me on like the most insane probiotic gut rebuilding regimen you've ever seen because I've effectively nuked my system. Yeah, you've decimated five times. Like IV antibiotics, steroids, just like pumping myself full. They got me on like twelve supplements a day, being like, "You have nothing left. Like you have eviscerated everything." your body well looking at you now i'd say you're back i'm back (laughs) am i glowing like what is going on (laughs) you look great well you know the book and the author we're going to talk about today definitely had a coming back story absolutely a very inspiring one i want to say oh definitely and by the look of their cover all about backing that thing up and that peach Uh, we're super excited for today's topic it is a special one about our favorite topics Love, sex, 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 sex. And more sex. And most importantly, a really horrible situation that turned out really, really great. And we'll dive into that right after this break. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, we're back, and we are super excited to introduce our guest today, Laura Friedman-Williams, who wrote a book called Available, A Very Honest Account of Life After Divorce. Hi, Laura. Hello. Thanks for having me here. Thanks for being here. Kane and I have so many questions for you. (laughs) So many. So many. Who the fuck had the idea to put the peach on the cover of your book? My British publisher, so HarperCollins in England. It was very juicy. It's very juicy. Juicy and just like yeah. the perfect, it's like such a like elegant peach too. You know what I mean? Like it has like such a. I want to take a bite out of it. Uh, yeah. Don't, I want to. No, I want to put my face in between it. <laughs> yeah, it's the sexiest peach they could find. It was actually supposed to be originally they put an eggplant on the cover, and I said no way. This is about female sexuality, not yes. male. So Good why would you. you put Good an you. eggplant, even if it's a beautiful eggplant? Yeah. So let's start mm. with the fucking eggplant who started all these problems. <laughs> your ex-husband. <laughs> Um, everything starts with a bad eggplant, literally, in no, life. I know. Almost rotten, everything can be changed. Rotten. A rotten eggplant. <laughs> so, Laura, can you walk us through sort of the beginning tales of, of your book and, and your story? Yes. So I had been actually with my husband since I was 20 years old. We met in college. And we moved in together immediately after graduating. And we lived together and got married and had three children. 
and we were together for 27 years and I thought we were together forever. It was all I wanted. I was in it for life. I'm very traditional. I was. You was. Um, I wanted children. I wanted a family. I was very clear about what I wanted. It, that was more important to me than anything else. And 27 years of marriage, I mean, obviously no marriage is perfect, ups and downs, but overall a happy 27 years of marriage, would you say? Yeah, well, the irony is I always thought that he adored me more than I loved him even. Like, I felt like oh. I wasn't always as loving or kind as he was and that I should probably step it up a little bit, but I was very happy in my life. I was very content. I had what I wanted. I had my children. I was a stay-at-home mom, PTA president. I totally embraced that life. And then suddenly, you know, 27 years in, my husband starts acting really strange, like very cold and very distant. Was it like overnight or was it a slow build? It was slow over a period of months, but it was noticeable and it kept growing. I kept saying, what's happening? What's wrong? This is so, you're behaving so unlike you. And you were confronting him. You were asking him. Yeah. Like, you're acting weird. What's yeah. going on? You seem cold yeah. and distant. And how would he yeah. respond? Um, work is really stressful. You know, it's, or it's just you. You're such a nag. Like, you're just really hard to live with sometimes. That's so fucked up. He well, was there was guilty. And he was guilty onto you. That's so fucked. So up. one night he was in the kitchen. He'd forgotten to pick up our daughter, who was seven at the time. Um, forgotten to pick up a seven-year-old? Yes. So that was a big problem. I was super upset, and he was very defensive. Before he even walked in the door, he knew that I was going to be upset. And he was eating dinner at the counter, and he slammed the fork down on the counter, and a piece of the marble chipped off. And I said, "You just chipped the counter." And he said, "Good." Now, every time you look at that chip in the counter, you'll remember what a nag you are, and maybe you'll think twice before you talk to me like this. I hate him already. No, you know what? It's okay. He's not a hate. He's really a lovely person. I, I'm not defending him. He acted like an asshole in that moment, and he really lost himself. And I think that what this speaks to for me, because... I really believe that people can redeem themselves. And I he, love that. I actually he, believe that too. And I have been extremely forgiving and understanding in my life. So I relate to that. But I'm always more defensive of other people's problems. <laughs> me than too. I, am. I mean, I mean, it's Kane's easier the same. Yeah. to have your um, anger But I do there. like where you're going with that. And the funny thing is my daughter, my older daughter, who was 17 at the time, was sitting there and listening. And she looked, you know, shell-shocked. And he storms out of the room and she's like, Mom, do you think Dad could be having an affair? Wow. Oh. And I said, you are ridiculous. Of course dad couldn't have an affair. He can barely keep track of us. How on earth would he, he manage to have a, a second life? How's he planning a whole other life? He was very ditzy. I mean, he's creative. He's, you know, forgetful. So I like, laughed at her. And of course, you know, that still haunts me four years later that she saw it before I did. Um, at 17, it was so obvious to her that something was awry and that I was either had my head so far in the sand or was in such denial that I could not see what was right in front of me. And I remember the next morning, he was so, such an apologizer. Anything that went wrong in our relationship, he was always the first one to apologize. And, you know, he just couldn't stay mad. And I loved that about him. He'd that always is a say, good quality. That's a great quality. It was a great quality. He has no grudges. I mean, you could do something so wrong to him, and in a year he won't remember or he won't care. Yeah. And so I, he would always say to me, can we just be friends again? And we would move past it. And the next morning, he was still so angry at me. And I said, what's going on? This is so unlike you. And he looked at me and he said, you know what the problem is, Laura? I'm just not happy. And I was like, who is? Right? Like, who's happy? We had so much going on. My mother was ill. You know, we just moved. There was a lot happening in our lives. He owns his own business. Things were a little bit problematic at the time. I was like, who's happy? We're just getting through. First off, I think it's just like emotional terrorism to drop a bomb like that. Listen, it obviously was like a split reaction, right? Like you confronted him. He's feeling this. But there's a big difference between I'm unhappy and I'm unfaithful. Yes. So how do we get from unhappy to you discovering 
that his unhappiness has manifested in inappropriate ways. So, you know, there are, um, when you look back and you see like these breadcrumbs being dropped that at the time you're completely oblivious to. Yes. Um, I hate that feeling more than anything. I mean, I never did, but this was my first time in my life being betrayed like this. So there was a night, and we, we had sex pretty regularly still. He'd been kind of putting me off, which was so unlike him. Like I was the one always like pretending I was asleep, you know. <laughs> and he'd put me off a few times, and I was like, is something wrong? Like, do so I know? So you tried to initiate, yeah. and he sort of yeah, he was not that So finally, I literally pin him down, have sex with him. And in the middle of it, he just loses it. Oh. And I said to him, 27 years, this has never once happened to us. Never once. Not after nights of drinking, not after I had babies. Never once. If we had sex, that we saw the sex through. This has never happened. And he said, By the way, good for him and the fucking Johnson that keeps going. That's impressive. I mean, also good for me. Good for you, you too. (laughs) So I was very concerned. And he said, I just remembered something that someone said at work. I'm very stressed out about it. It wasn't about you. You know, this has nothing to do with you. And I said, okay. But it was another thing. It was like that comment where he slammed the fork down. It was the sex that went awry. The flags are adding up. The flags are adding up. And then one night, he really, he couldn't look at me. I just felt he couldn't look at me. And he went to put our daughter to bed. And I took his phone. And I always always the phone. phone. Even when my kids, two of my kids are 22 and 19 now, I never checked their phones. My point was, I trust you. And if there's an issue, we're going to talk about it. Like, I'm not going to go digging into your privacy. Everyone's entitled. And you're checking the phone. Okay, so I checked his phone. I had no choice. We are a a red flag. I I mean, I got to the point where I said, you're never going to tell me. I have to look on my own. So I spent hours. I couldn't find anything. It was very frustrating. And then I remembered WhatsApp. And when I tried to break into it, when I tried to use our, you know, two passcodes that we had. He had a different passcode for It didn't work. And I entered so many passcodes that it froze me out. And so I knew. And the craziest thing is that I remember looking, it said, like, you tried too many times, try again later. And I went to press the OK button. I was thinking, this is great. You could just go to bed now. You did your due diligence. He's being a jerk, but he's just a jerk. You're fine. And you go to bed and you're, you're a crazy, paranoid motherfucker. So I pressed OK. And then WhatsApp opened. No way. Yeah. That's weird. Yeah. A gift from God. Is I felt like, is. really what I felt like Karma. was like um, like Superwoman or Wonder Woman holding like a car off of a child. It I was feel sick right now. Was it, it multiple people? Was it no, one person? It was one person. It had been going on for a few months. It appeared that they had broken up, but the texting was still like, I wish I was in bed with you right now. So they might not have been actively pursuing each other physically, but there was still a very strong connection. And as I scrolled up on the phone, it was like a, an outer body experience. I saw words like divorce, love, you know, some so-and-so's catching on to us. And I closed the phone. I didn't take screenshots. I didn't read all the texts I couldn't. It was it was sickening. Painful. It was like looking at a train wreck. It's so painful. And I went into the room and I woke him up and I said, wake up, wake up. And he's, you know, he started and I said, I know everything. I've read your phone. I know everything. And he said, I don't know what you're talking about. And I said, everything. I know everything. I just kept saying it over and over again. And he was so angry. He sat up in bed. He said, you want to do this now? And I said, well, not really. But what choice do I have? And he said, okay. And he got out of bed furious at me and like stormed out of the room so I could follow him so he wouldn't wake up our daughter. And um, he said, you don't know what you read. You're misunderstanding everything. Oh, fuck you. I mean, you're so cold busted. You don't know what you read. I actually read words. That we're in English. It's gaslighting. It's It's so insane. But but this is my thing. This man has two options. Tell the truth. Yeah. I'm unhappy. 
or let me try to why 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 further the lie if you're miserable why further the lie if you're tortured why right. further lie what what is going on I'm sure he was yeah. scared too he was I mean terrified. he probably he, I'm sure he loved yeah. you and he, did. he was he obviously kept saying to you even when he lost his erection it's not you right like nothing's wrong yeah. I have a like a problem at work like he clearly wasn't yeah. do you think he would have left on his no own? I don't although I don't know because it's hard to say he really thought we could work through it so you find out you confront yeah you have the conversation you're not you don't know what you've seen and he wouldn't come clean for how long well for the night and I said I was really obviously sick and I said I'm begging you like if you have any love for me I'm begging you to just tell me what I saw so that I understand what's happening begging and he said it's not it didn't happen I said okay I can't talk to you until you have enough respect for me to tell me the truth I just can't do good this. for you so I walked away and I brushed my teeth and I got into bed on my side and he got into bed on his side and I lay there and I thought my heart would leave my body. It was pounding so hard. It was just the most terrible feeling. And finally, I got out of bed and I went to my daughter's bed in the yeah, next room. Yeah, there's no way you can, you can no stay way. there. Like, no, you just hear him can't. breathing. And I just kept thinking, I hear this breath of this man. I've slept next to him for 27 years and I don't know him. He's a stranger. How scary that I'm in bed with a stranger. Oh my God. And I kept thinking, like, my son is upstairs. This is my house. This is my daughter. But who's this man? So he, within the 24 hours, he came clean because I was like catatonic. I mean, I, I just was like, you just have to tell me something that is true. And another day passed. I was basically sick in bed all day. And the next morning I woke up and he was, um, he said to me, I think this could be the best thing that ever happened to us. And I said, how, how so? And he said, because we can reinvent ourselves now. Like this might've been the break we needed to start over again. And I said, but how do, how do you think I can start over now? Like you did this. I'm just like an innocent victim here. He had this whole narrative. Yeah. He's like, this is going to be great. Literally. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> because he didn't, he wanted, it was like, I think he became so dissociated from himself that he thought he could do this thing, figure out what was bothering him. And I think that being with this woman genuinely showed him how much he loved me. It's crazy, but it's Sucks true. Sucks for him and that the problem, he had to do that yes. to find that out. By the way, today's not about life before the divorce yeah <laughs> today is about life after the divorce and when we get back we're gonna get past the heaviness and into the orgasms <laughs> i'm ready <laughs> me too <laughs> we've spent a lot of time talking about life before divorce you know what I mean? We know where this ends. He cheats. You catch him. You try to make it work. It doesn't work. You decide you have to separate. But you take what could have been a situation that turned you into so closed off, so hurt, and you did the exact fucking opposite. And that is what I think is the magic of this story. So who are you that day and who are you today? I was just trying to survive. I think I was that was the mode I was in. I was terrified. Like I knew my past, my present and my future and then suddenly I didn't know any of them. And I knew that I had to recreate the path I was on or I could be miserable. And so it's funny a lot of people say to me, "You were so brave. You went out by yourself. You put yourself out there." And I thought, "Well, we're actually 
that wasn't so brave. The other alternative was to sit in my room with the door closed. What am I doing then? I'm 47 so was, years old and I'm dead? It was a survival technique, but I, I do agree with them. It's still, it's still hard to get out there. And you were 47, right? Yeah. And you yeah. had been married for 27 years. I'm yeah. sure all your friends are married. Uh, you know, your yeah. social stuff oh, is around everybody. school. Like, mm-hmm. And all of a sudden you're single. So you decide to put yourself out there. Yeah. And how do you go about that? What do you start doing? Well, one night I just had this epiphany. My kids were otherwise occupied, which happens like never at that point because there were somebody was always next to me and crying. I had this one night and I had come back from Nantucket with some friends and I was really tan and I'd had this like lovely time. I felt a little bit free. You were feeling yourself. I was feeling, but also I was thinking, I was feeling a little free. Like I was thinking I'd had this time away and I'd had some time to feel like I know our marriage is over. And so I need to know what does life look like for a 47 year old single woman? I have not been single since I was 20. What does this look like? I need to know. I just need to know. I'm a researcher. I'm a pragmatist. I believe is the center of all happiness. I don't care what anyone says. Curiosity. I agree with that. I do too. It's this, it's the start of all happiness. Everything has to start with a question of like, what if, can I, how do I, what does this look like? Like it is the start of all things great. Like literally. It keeps things novel. It keeps you engaged. And so what, did you like head out to the West Village and like pop into a dive bar? What'd you do? No, it's even funnier. I was upstate. I was in like upstate, rural upstate New York. And I showered. I shaved. I mean, I was like, my God, do I have a thong here? Shaved everything? (laughs) I didn't shave everything because I didn't know how important (laughs) hair removal was yet. Now I know. Oh, she was like, she had like 70s bush. Yeah, I I didn't have a 70s bush, but like maybe 80s. Like I I definitely had a wide landing strip. I definitely just basically made sure that there was nothing showing when I put on my bathing suit. Got but it. Otherwise... A lot had changed in 27 years. Yeah. So, oh my God, shocking. So that was a big, that was a big surprise. Please tell me you go out there and you bang curve. a farmer. Did you bang a farmer? <laughs> no, but he rode a motorcycle. Oh. And he was like, I don't know, he was he he was this tall, brawny man that was on a motorcycle trip by himself through the area. So I went to this bar and it was really like being in a rom-com. So I watched people come in and I'm like, married, 800 years old. And then this man comes in and I'm like, Bing. You know, I see fireworks. He's tall. He's handsome. He's buff. He's hair. It's dark. It's he's not on white. His own? Well, he was with a big group. So I'm like, let's wait for the girlfriend to come in. And I'm watching and I'm waiting. And no one comes. And so I wait and wait. And finally, to get his attention, because he's standing near me, but with this big group, I jump off my stool and I like very noisily drag it away from him. And he looks like, am I in your way? And I said, no, you're just with this big group and I'm all alone. So I'm you're trying to make room genius. for you. <laughs> Damsel. Let me say, I'm not. 27 (laughs) years dusty and has a move better than most. Mesh is taking notes. I'm taking notes. I know. Look at that. 27 years off it and immediately has a way to get him. And what's he say? Thank you so much. And then he turns back to his group. It wasn't. (laughs) It was so far from genius. I was laughing at myself like that was your big play. Now uh, you're it by on me yourself. By Absolutely. He should have been minute. like, there's zero reason for you to be alone. Like, let me right. keep you company. What's by the way, up? I'm Can pretty sure it ended up working somehow. Yeah. So tell us more. So finally, he turns back to me like a few minutes later. After I'm like, and it, now I'm like sitting by myself because I've dragged it yeah. away. You know, so I'm like so embarrassed. But he finally turns back to me, starts making small talk with me. I see there's no ring finger, you know, ring on the finger. He introduces the guy he's with and we start talking. And finally, sort of the other guy kind of peels away. And now we're talking and he tells me, you know, he has a teenage daughter. He's alone a lot. His wife died and he's on this motorcycle trip. And I just decide, well, I can play this role. I'm a divorcee on the town. I'm a 47 who goes out on a Saturday night. That's all I am right now. I can play the role. So I played it. 
I was coy. I was flirtatious. I wiggled my shoulders around. I wiggled my hair around. Like if I had the it, I wiggled it. Happening. You got great hair. You got I, great thank big you. curly yeah, hair. It was. It was summer. Yeah. It was. Yeah, it was gorgeous. I washed it. I'm I was in. at the beach. And he actually said, I stood up at one point. He said, Your hair smells so good. And I like burst out laughing. Like this is happening. People kept shushing us. You know, we were talking, and it was a there oh, was a singer. Playing. Oh, that's fine. So he said, um, I finally said, You know what? I'm from here. If you're hungry, I can find you a place to eat. Like when we can talk properly. Cause this music is dreadful we both agreed so we left and we walk around the corner to this barbecue place because it was the only place open he said are you hungry and I said no I'm really not and he said well you have a drink at least I don't want to eat alone I said I can't I've had two cocktails I have to drive home got my Volvo SUV around the corner you know <laughs> and I looked at him and I said are you really that hungry <gasps> he got it and he was on me pressing his mate backed up onto the wall he was kissing me and I was like I'm alive <laughs> so did I'm you load him in the back seat and drive him home? He was in this totally seedy hotel. He insisted that it wasn't because he was seedy, but just because that was all that was available. It was up the hill. It was three blocks up. And I was like, okay, let's, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. So we start marching up the hill. And it's every on. corner we get to where we have to like wait for the light to change, he's like on me again. And I'm like, you know what? I don't even care if anybody sees me. So we get to his hotel and we go upstairs. I am like, oh my God, now I'm here. Now what? And I'm like, I have to go to the bathroom. So I go into the bathroom and I like look at myself and I'm like, you got this, you got this. Don't cry, don't cry. Don't cry. <laughs> don't in the cry. mirror. Don't cry. Like, okay, this is the first man. Okay, it may not be great, but like, don't like, thank cry. Thank God I shaved a little thank bit. Thank God. Thank God I found this thong. It's probably 40, <laughs> it's probably a vintage thong. A vintage thong. And then he goes into the bathroom and I'm standing there and I have a strapless dress and a strapless bra on underneath that is so bulky. But you know, it's like, it really hoists me nicely and it gives me like, not a uniboob, like it makes me look really, just like two defined boobs, a really nice, <laughs> but it's very ugly. Like it looks like a corset. You're like and this I'm, has to go. He can't come out and see this. So I take it off and then I'm like, oh, now this looks so weird. Like I just have a bra set and I have to cover the bra. I can't see. I take the dress off. And then I'm like, now I've got is the thong. This is so awkward. He's going to come out. It's like, why didn't I just go all the way? So I take off the thong. And now <laughs> I'm standing completely naked by the bed. And he comes out. He's awesome. just like washing his hands. Oh, my God. It's like his fucking dream. But I thought I'd overstepped. I thought, oh, my God, you don't know the rules of engagement. This is so embarrassing. So he comes out and he stares at me. And I stare back. <laughs> <laughs> And I've like folded my clothes. You know, they're like, oh, yeah, they're like nice and neat on the bed. Yeah, I didn't want my dress to wrinkle. It was a nice dress. And I say to him, is this too much? Did I overstep? And he was like, no. I mean, <laughs> no, are you kidding? He's like, red -blooded he's like male. ripping his clothes off as much yeah. as he can. Oh, if it all came off and we're on the bed. And then I was like, okay, like I have arrived. I'm here. And then it got better because he goes down on me and he, he looks up at me so sincerely and goes, you have such a nice pussy. <gasps> and I was Best hysterical. compliment ever. I was like, people use that word. Like, I didn't even know. I was so naive. I was like, that's so funny. I thought that was like only in porn movies or like guys talking to each other. Like, you just regularly like compliment women on their pussies. Uh, well, like, I would hope so. Like married guys I, probably don't so much. Nobody so, yeah. ever told me I had a nice pussy. I mean... <laughs> The goal so, of this night was like you're no. like I'm fucking winning. <laughs> so wait, so how's the sex? Amazing, best sex I ever had. <laughs> Probably the best sex I'll ever have in my entire life. Oh, they, of course it is. It's like it's like first off gold star, and so it begins. It's like I mean, when you're not. Me, did you get his phone number? No. I love it. Good. No. Good for you. No, because really, what I was like first of all, I just want to know that my parts are intact, right? Nobody's seen them except for my husband and my 
OBGYN for the past 27 years. I just want to know. Attack, they're like A grade. Right. They're A plus. Somebody's just complimented it great. I didn't cry. I had several orgasms. He did too. We were, everybody was happy. And then I was like, my work here is done. And this was the start of a year of liberation. Right. So what if that hadn't happened? I was like, I felt like a witch. I felt like I just conjured, you know, like I just created this man out of nothing. It was a crowd of 80-year-olds. And in walks this man, and he just wants to ravage me. Manifest that shit. Manifestation (laughs) works. I'm telling you, the shit fucking works. Yeah. But he was the first stop on a journey. Right. So I went home. I went to bed. I Did woke- you text and tell every girlfriend you knew? Or oh my no? God, it was Were the busiest like morning there? of my life. I mean, I love <laughs> oh, yeah. it. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. The, yeah. the only thing better than being her is yeah. being the girlfriend yeah. on the other end. Of, well, not the better. The better. Second no, they best loved it. Yeah, yeah. is being the girlfriend, hearing the juicy details and living vicariously and just being so excited for your friend. Yeah. They were, I mean, I loved my friends so much in that moment because they couldn't get enough and they were shrieking with happiness. Like, yeah. you did what? And then you said what? And you took off all your clothes and what you were so bold and it was good and you liked it. And like, this is the best thing. And then I, I felt bad for them. I was like, you got to lose your husband and go have sex with a stranger. <laughs> it's the best thing. You have no idea. You don't know what you're missing. Well, I, I actually had like you a reverse sympathy. You've never had. I felt terrible. Like you're never going to get went from this. from dead to alive in one night. And then I was like a, a woman on a mission. I wanted more sex. Of I wanted course. more men. It was like, and I was also so by you know by the a couple days later I'm back I'm back to being a mom with my daughter after camp and I'm feeling worse than ever in a way because I thought that was one night well you tasted it and you're yeah. like I want more of that yeah. and how do you, you get it felt that and how, well you knew how to get it so you I obviously it, yeah. found it again I thought it would never she, happen again well, really? I thought it was right. a, I thought it was just a magical night well listen we know from just like the blurb of the book that there were eight in a year so this is like check one they were actually 10 and I don't okay. know why I got cheated those extra two because I mean, the, la- the grand finale you. was so grand oh my god that <laughs> so does this so like all right, there's 10 is it like I'm gonna just start dating putting myself out there or is it just like I just want to bang guys and I'm gonna go look for that like, like yeah I wanted to sleep with as many men as I could and I wouldn't say that I was like I'm going to set out to sleep with half of America it was like I really need to have sex with a lot of people because I like it I'm good at it People seem to like me having and sex you were, with me. And you were with your ex since you were 20. You yeah. were making up for lost time. You were experiencing different men, different styles, like figuring out what you like. Totally. All of the things. It All of that. a research project. And also, I have two free hours a week without children. What do I I have no time. I can't have a relationship. No one you wants to have a relationship. Really efficient. I need, I have two hours. I will make the most of these two hours. I will make sure every date ends with having sex wait let's talk about that though like how do you make sure every date ends with sex you, you just, just put say, it out there you just put it out there you just have to be I very mean, forward yeah, we are like that was a dumb question i feel like well, any woman who's on a date that's like i would like to leave here and go bang you it's uh, like, let's go yeah, yeah. yeah no nobody is. yeah well the the title actually came from uh, my publisher said you know you use the word available a lot in your book and i hadn't realized it but on like the third date that i was on this man we had this great conversation we sat at a bar i did it again i made this man appear from nothing i'm a conjurer and he says to me when we're leaving we're in the parking lot he's like i really liked talking to you so much when are you available and you're like I thought, right now that's exactly what i said <laughs> i love right it now? yeah you're like right because now i was like practically speaking i don't know then actually i have to say of all the men nobody minds 
minded my being so forward. Sometimes they fumbled a little, like they weren't always ready for me. They were surprised. They were surprised. What I really came to understand was that everybody comes to the table with a story. Usually it's a very sad story. It's a, there's a lot of broken hearts and broken families and people have had difficult upbringings and alcohol and drugs and estranged children. And so what happened was I felt like, wow, we are all, by the time we get to this point in our lives, we've had, had so much pain. So wherever we find joy, I'm gonna fucking Go embrace there. that. And if yes. I find joy having sex, then I'm gonna have it. And don't anybody try to tell me I can't because I just had my heart stomped on and I'm still standing and I'm still smiling. And so if this is how I do it, don't tell me that sex is not to be used for grief. I'm grieving and I'm having sex and it works for me. But where are you today? <laughs> where have you sort of netted out on this journey? So I've been dating somebody for over three years. Number In the book, he's number six. Oh, he's number, okay, so yeah. you picked one up permanently. No, nothing's permanent. Love. No, I don't want to, I've made it very clear, don't want to be married, I don't want to cohabitate, I want my own space, I want my own life, and I want my freedom. And so that's where we are. Where we are is that we see each other uh, when we can, you know, on weekends when I don't have my kids. And um, Has he met your kids? Yeah, yeah, he's met them, and he's really super sweet to them. He's so really, he's like integrated into your life. So it's been life. three no. years, but it's not exclusive. No, and he's he's not really integrated into my life because he knows that I really like separation of church and state. Like, you know, we might have a dinner together once in a while. He's a really good cook, so sometimes he likes to cook for my kids. But when I'm with my kids, I want to be with my kids. And he always says to me, one of the things I love about you is you're such a great mom. When you're with your kids, all you see is your kids. And so I don't get my kids enough anymore. You know, I have to share custody of my youngest daughter, who's 11. My other kids are in college. So when I'm with them, I want them to myself. Yeah, I'm and, not sharing and you them. you want them to have you, too. Yeah, and I want them to feel this is home. I'm your home, and that's it. That's beautiful. So that's that. I'm more integrated into his life because he just likes me to be there more, you know, with his kids. But, you know, he's 15 years older than I am. He's in great shape. He does have a six pack, which is really impressive. He does hot yoga many, many times a week. Over time, we became more serious and, you know, there was love and attachment that grew. But I was very clear. I can't give up my freedom. I just found it. And so I won't. Do you envision a time in the future where you might be comfortable going back to that like monogamous, like committed thing? Or you're like that part of my life is done. Yep. I first of all, I don't know why I'd ever get married again. Divorce is horrible. Not even about marriage yeah, though. Or like it's like, could you envision commitment? just being in a monogamous committed relationship? I don't exclusive. think so because I'd like to always hold out the option to remain curious. And I think that even if it's in my head, even if it's, it's a placebo, I haven't acted on it in quite some time. I mean, obviously COVID made it a little harder to be super out there, but I have been very clear with him. I love you. I'm only going to date you. But if I'm out and I'm flirting and somebody interested and I'm curious to know what it's like to have sex with them I'm gonna do it because I don't want to be put back in a box I lived in a box most of my life mm-hmm. I had that box so and it's I'm not total do it now. honesty yeah. and total transparency yeah. like you just said it it's sort of this uh, not illusion but it's like you have freedom so like when you know you have it you don't always feel compelled to exercise it right exactly you just it's you just need to know you I'm big on that like I'm the person who always has like sleeping pills that never takes them the optionality. Or, you know I'd like to know things are there as a last resort and then to decide if I need them and I don't see sleeping with other men as a last resort anymore I mean he knows he sort of has to stay on his toes and that's the other part of it is like win me over every day you know like I'm not here tomorrow unless you treat me well and I love you and I'm and our sex is great I, I mentioned this to you I have an open relationship with my husband it's it's something we're very public about I show up every day being like I have to win him every day yeah I love that and I love that I know that it's not just given 
It is yeah, earned, exactly. which is the difference. I feel like after we're done recording this podcast, Kane and I are going to assemble an altar in your honor. hundred <laughs> percent. You are. I listen. am odd. I really am. Like, what a three sixty. What what an empowering story. And it's and it's your personal story. It's like you really found your voice, like found your direction, and completely direct the course of your life. Yeah. And that is not an easy thing to do, especially when you've yeah. been going with the flow and adhering to societal norms and dealing with complacency and all of the things. So normally we bless this mess, but you've really done the work to figure this out yourself. So we're just going to cheers you, Laura. Oh, and thank you so much for sharing your story. <laughs> wow, wow. Thanks, Laura. Thank thanks you. for coming on Messy thank Situations. You. Thank you so much for having me. Messy Situations is a production of Lola Media and is produced and engineered by Riley McCaskill with assistant producer Mesh Lakani.